0: Chapter seven of the Gods Are A Thirst This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Sarah Hartman, Waltham, Massachusetts. The Gods Are A Thirst by Anatole France, translated by Mrs. Wilfred Jackson. Chapter seven employing a very old-fashioned locution the citroen gamelin had declared that by dint of eating chestnuts they would be turning into chestnuts as a matter of fact on that day the thirteenth july she and her son had made their midday dinner on a basin of chestnut porridge as they were finishing this austere repast a lady pushed open the door and the room was flooded in an instant with the splendour of her presence and the fragrance of her perfumes evariste recognized the citoyenne rochemar thinking she had mistaken the door and meant her visit for the citoyenne Bruteau, her friend of other days he was already preparing to point her out the ci-devant aristocrat's garret or perhaps summon brouteau and so spare an elegant woman the task of scrambling up a mill-ladder but she made it clear at once that the citoyenne evariste gamelin and no other was the person she had come to see by announcing that she was happy to find him at home and was his servant to command they were not entirely strangers to each other having met more than once in david's studio in a box at the assembly hall at the jacobins at venois's restaurant on these occasions she had been struck by his good looks and youth and interesting air wearing a hat beribboned like a fairing and plumed like the headpiece of a representative on mission the citoyenne rochemar was wigged painted patched and scented but her complexion was young and fresh behind all these disguises these extravagant artificialities of fashion only betokened a frantic haste to enjoy life and the feverishness of these dreadful days when the morrow was so uncertain her corsage with wide facings and enormous basques and all ablaze with huge steel buttons was blood-red and it was hard to tell so aristocratic and so revolutionary at one and the same time was her array whether it was the colours of the victims or the headsmen that she sported a young officer, a dragoon, accompanied her. Dandling her long cane by its handle of mother of pearl a tall, fine woman, of generous proportions and ample bosom, she made the circuit of the studio, and putting up to her grey eyes her double quizzing-glasses of gold, examined the painter's canvases with many smiles and exclamations of delight, admiring the handsome artist, and flattering him in hopes of a return in kind. What? asked the citoyenne is that picture it is so nobly conceived so touching of a gentle beautiful woman standing by a young man lying sick gamelin told her it was meant to represent orestes tended by his sister electra and that had he been able to finish it it might perhaps have been the least unsatisfactory of his works the subject he went on to say is taken from the orestes of euripides i had read in a translation of this tragedy made years ago a scene that filled me with admiration the one where the young electra raising her brother on his bed of pain wipes away the froth that gathers on his lips puts aside the locks that blind his eyes and beseeches the brother she loves to hearken to what she will tell him while the furies are at peace for the moment as I read and reread this translation, I seemed to be aware of a kind of fog that shrouded the forms of Greek perfection, a fog I could not drive away. I pictured the original text to myself as more nervous and pitched in a different accent, feeling a keen desire to get a precise idea of the thing. I went to Monsieur Gale, who was the professor of Greek at the Collège de France, and this was in 91, and begged him to expound the scene to me word by word he did what i asked and then i saw that the ancients are much more simple and homely than people think thus for instance electra says to orestes dear brother what joy it gives me to see thee sleep shall i help thee to rise and orestes answers yes help me take me in thy arms and wipe away the spume that still clings about my mouth and eyes put thy bosom against mine and part from my brow my tangled hair for it blinds my eyes my mind still full of this poetry so young and vivid ringing with these simple strong phrases i sketched the picture you see there citoyenne the painter who as a rule spoke so sparingly of his works waxed eloquent on the subject of this one at an encouraging gesture from the citoyenne Rochemaure, who lifted her quizzing-glasses in token of attention he continued Hanniken has depicted the madness of orestes in masterly fashion but orestes appeals to us still more poignantly in his sorrow than when he is distraught what a fate was his it was filial piety obedience to a sacred obligation drove him to commit his dreadful deed a sin the gods cannot but pardon but which men will never condone to avenge outraged justice he has repudiated nature has made himself a monster has torn out his own heart "'but his spirit remains unbroken "'under the weight of his horrible yet innocent crime. "'That is what I would fain have exhibited "'in my group of brother and sister.' "'He stepped up to the canvas "'and looked at it not without satisfaction. Parts of this picture,' he said, "'are pretty nearly finished. "'The head and arm of Orestes, for instance.' "'It is an admirable composition. "'And Orestes reminds me of you,' said gamelin "'You think he is like me?' exclaimed the painter with a grave smile she took the chair gamelin offered her the young dragoon stood beside her his hand on the back of the chair where she sat which showed plainly that the revolution was an accomplished fact for under the ancient regime no man would ever in company have touched so much as with the tip of a finger the seat occupied by a lady in those days a gentleman was trained and broken in to laws of politeness sometimes pretty hard laws and taught to understand that a scrupulous self-restraint in public places gives a peculiar zest to the sweet familiarity of the boudoir and that to lose your respectful awe of a woman you must first have that feeling louise machet de Rochemar, daughter of a lieutenant of the king's hunt widow of a procurer and for twenty years the faithful mistress of the financier breteau de Sillet, had fallen in with the new ideas she was to be seen in july seventeen ninety digging the soil of the champs de mars her strong inclination to side with the powers that be had carried her readily enough along a political path that started with the feuillants and led by the way of the girondins to end on the summit of the mountain while at the same time a spirit of compromise a passion for conversion and a certain aptitude for intrigue still attached her to the aristocratic and anti-revolutionary party she was to be met everywhere at coffee-houses and theatres fashionable restaurants gaming saloons drawing-rooms newspaper offices and antechambers of committees the revolution yielded her a hundred satisfactions novelty and amusement smiles and pleasures business ventures and profitable speculations combining political with amorous intrigue playing the harp drawing landscapes singing ballads dancing greek dances giving supper-parties entertaining pretty women such as the comtesse de beaufort and the actress mademoiselle descans presiding all night over a trente et une or biribi table and an expert at rouge et noir she still found time to be charitable to her friends inquisitive and interfering giddy-pated and frivolous she understood men but knew nothing of the masses as indifferent to the creed she professed, as to the opinions she felt bound to repudiate, understanding nothing whatever of all that was happening in the country. She was enterprising, intrepid, and full of audacity from sheer ignorance of the danger, and an unbounded confidence in the efficacy of her charms. The soldier who escorted her was in the heyday of youth, a bronze helmet decorated with a panther skin and the crest set off with a crimson coxcomb shaded his fresh young face and displayed a long and terrific mane that swept his back his red jacket was cut short and square barely reaching to the waist to better show off his elegant figure in his girdle he carried an enormous sabre the hilt of which was a glittering eagle's beak a pair of flapped breeches of sky-blue moulded the fine muscles of his legs and was braided in rich arabesques of a darker blue on the thighs he might have been a dancer dressed for some warlike and dashing role in achilles at scyros or alexander's wedding feast in a costume designed by a pupil of david with the one idea of accentuating every line of the shape gamelin had a vague recollection of having seen him before he was, in fact, the same young soldier he had come upon a fortnight previously, haranguing the people from the arcades of the Théâtre de la Nation. The citoyenne Rochemard introduced him by name. The Citoyen Henry, member of the Revolutionary Committee of the Section of the Rights of Man. She had him always at her heels, a mirror of gallantry and a living and walking guarantee of patriotism. The citoyenne complimented Gamelin on his talents, and asked him if he would be willing to design a card for a protege of hers a fashionable milliner he would of course choose an appropriate motif a woman trying on a scarf before a cheval-glass for instance or a young workwoman carrying a bandbox on her arm she had heard several artists mentioned as competent to execute a little matter of the sort frangonard fille young ducie as well as a certain prudhomme but she would rather apply to the citoyenne everest however she made no definite proposal on this head and it was evident she had mentioned the commission merely by way of starting the conversation in truth she had come for something quite different she wanted the citoyen gamelin to do her a favour knowing he was a friend of the citoyen Marat. she had come to ask him to introduce her to the friend of the people with whom she desired an interview gamelin replied that he was too insignificant an individual to present her to morat besides which she had no need of anyone to be her sponsor marat albeit overwhelmed with business was not the inaccessible person he was said to be and added gamelin he will receive you as citoyenne if you are in distress his great heart makes him compassionate to all who suffer he will likewise receive you if you have any revelation to make concerning the public weal. he has vowed his days to the unmasking of traitors the citoyenne rochemaure answered that she would be happy to greet in marat an illustrious citizen who had rendered great service to his country who was capable of rendering greater still and that she was anxious to bring the legislator in question into relation with friends of hers of good repute and good will philanthropists favoured by fortune and competent to provide him with new means of satisfying his ardent affection for humanity it is very desirable she concluded, to make the rich cooperate in securing public prosperity. In actual fact, the citoyenne had promised the banker Morhart to arrange a dinner where he and Marat should meet. Morhart, a Swiss like the friend of the papal, had entered into combination with several deputies of the convention, Julien of Toulouse, Delaunay of Angers, and the ex-capuchin Chabot, to speculate in the shares of the Compagnie d'Inde. The game was very simple, to bring down the price of these shares to six hundred fifty livres by proposing motions pointing in the direction of confiscation in order to buy up the greatest possible number at this figure and then push them up to four thousand or five thousand livres by dint of proposals of a reassuring nature but for chabot julien de their little ways were too notorious while suspicion was rife of lacroix fabre Anglantine, and even danton the arch speculator the baron de Bas, was looking for new confederates in the convention, and had advised Moorhart to sound Marat. This idea of the anti-revolutionary speculators was not so extravagant as might have been supposed at first blush. It was always the way of the gentry to form alliance with those in power at the moment, and by virtue of his popularity, his pen, his character, Marat was a power to be reckoned with. The Girondists were near shipwreck the dantonists battered by the hurricane had lost their hold on the helm robespierre the idol of the people was a man jealous of his scrupulous honesty full of suspicion impossible to approach the great thing was to get round Marat, to secure his good will against the day when he should be dictator and everything pointed to this consummation his popularity his ambition his eagerness to recommend heroic measures and it might be after all marat would re-establish order the finances the prosperity of the country more than once he had risen in revolt against the zealots who were for outbidding him in fanaticism for some time past he had been denouncing the demagogues as violently as the moderates after inciting the people to sack the cornerers shops and hang them over their own counters he was now exhorting the citizens to be calm and prudent he was growing into an administrator in spite of certain rumours disseminated against him as against all the other chiefs of the revolution these pirates of the money-market did not believe he could be corrupted but they did know him to be vain and credulous and they hoped to win him over by flattery and still more by a condescending friendliness which they looked upon as the most seductive form of flattery From men like themselves they counted thanks to him on blowing hot and cold on all the securities they might wish to buy and sell and making him serve their interests while supposing himself to be acting solely for the public good great as a go-between, albeit she was still of an age for amour on her own account, the citoyenne Rochemar had made it her mission to bring together the legislator-journalist and the banker, and in her extravagant imagination she already saw the man of the underworld, the man whose hands were yet red with the blood of the September massacres, a partner in the game of the financiers whose agent she was. She pictured him drawn in by his very warmth of feeling and unsophisticated candour into the whirlpool of speculation a recruit to the coterie she loved of corner makers contractors foreign embassies gamblers and women of gallantry she insisted on the citoyenne gamelin taking her to see the friend of the people who lived quite near in the rue de cordeliers near the church after some little show of reluctance the painter acceded to the citoyenne's wishes the dragoon Henry was invited to join them in the visit, but declined, declaring he meant to keep his liberty of action, even toward the citoyen Marat, who he felt no doubt had rendered services to the Republic, but was weakening nowadays. Had he not, in his news sheet, counseled resignation as the proper thing for the people of Paris? And the young man, in a sweet voice broken by long-drawn sighs, deplored the fate of the Republic, betrayed by the men in whom she had put her trust, Danton rejecting the notion of attacks on the rich, Robespierre opposing the permanence of the sections, Marat, whose pusillanimous counsels were paralyzing the enthusiasm of the citizens. Ah! he cried, how feeble such men appear besides Leclerc and Jacques Roux! Roux, Leclerc, ye are the true friends of the people! Gamelin did not hear these remarks, which would have angered him. He had gone into the next room to don his blue coat you may well be proud of your son observed the citoyenne rochemar addressing the citoyenne gamelin he is a great man talent and character both make him so in answer the widow gamelin gave a good account of her son yet without making much boast of him before a lady of high station for she had been taught in her childhood that the first duty of the lowly is humility toward the great she was of a complaining bent "'having, indeed, only too good cause, "'and finding in such jeremiads a salve for her griefs. "'She was garrulous in her revelations "'of all the hardships she had to bear "'to any whom she supposed to be in a position to relieve them. "'And Madame de Rochemar seemed to belong to that class. "'She made the most, therefore, of this favourable opportunity, "'and told a long and breathless story of their distresses, "'how mother and son were both dying of slow starvation. "'Pictures could not be sold any more.' The revolution had killed business dead. Vituals were scarce and too dear for words. The good dame poured out her lamentations with all the loose-lipped volubility her halting tongue was capable of, so as to get them all finished by the time her son, whose pride would not brook such whining, should reappear. She was bent on attaining her object in the shortest possible time, that of touching a lady whom she deemed rich and influential, and enlisting her sympathy in her boy's future. She felt sure that Evariste's good looks were an asset on her side, to move the heart of a well-born lady. And so they were. The Citroën Rochemar proved tender-hearted, and was melted to think of Evariste's and his mother's sufferings. She made plans to alleviate them. She had rich men among her friends, and would get them to buy the artist's pictures. The truth is, she added with a smile, there is still money in France, but it keeps in hiding better still now art was ruined she would obtain everest a post in moorhart's bank or with the brothers pergo or as a place as a clerk in the office of an army contractor then she reflected that this was not what a man of his character needed and after a moment's thought she nodded in sign that she had hit the nail on the head there are still several jurymen left to be appointed on the revolutionary tribunal jurymen magistrate that is the thing to suit your son I have friendly relations with the Committee of Public Safety. I know Robespierre, the elder, personally. His brother frequently sups at my house. I will speak to them. I will get a word said to Montanay, Dumas, Froquier. The Citoyenne Gamelin, bursting with excitement and gratitude, put a finger to her lip. Everiste was coming back into the studio. He escorted the Citoyenne Rochemard down the gloomy staircase, the steps of which, whether wood or tiled, were coated with an ancient layer of dirt on the pont neuf where the sun now nearing its setting threw a lengthened shadow from the pedestal that had borne the bronze horse and was now gay with the national colours a crowd of men and women of the people gathered in little groups were listening to some tale that was being told them consternation reigned and a heavy silence broken at intervals by groans and fierce cries many were making off at a rapid pace in the direction of the rue de Thionville, erstwhile rue d'Alfant gamelin joined one of these little groups and heard the news that marat had just been assassinated little by little the tidings were confirmed and particulars became known he had been murdered in his bath by a woman who had come expressly from cain to commit the crime some thought she had escaped but the majority declared she had been arrested there they stood like sheep without a shepherd thinking sadly marat the tender-hearted the humane marat our benefactor is no longer there to guide us marat who was never deceived who saw through every subterfuge and never feared to reveal the truth what can we do what is to become of us we have lost our adviser our champion our friend they knew very well whence the blow had come and who had directed the woman's arm they groaned aloud Marat has been struck down by the same criminal hands that are bent on our extermination his death is the signal for the slaughter of all good patriots different reports were current as to the circumstances of the tragic event and the last words of the victim endless questions were asked concerning the assassin all that any one knew was that it was a young woman sent by those traitors the federalists bearing teeth and nails the citoyennes devoted the culprit to condign punishment deeming the guillotine too merciful a death they demanded that this monster of iniquity should be scourged broken on the wheel torn limb from limb and racked their brains to invent new tortures an armed body of national guards was hailing to the section headquarters a man of determined mien his clothes were in tatters and streams of blood trickled down his white face he had been overheard saying that marat had earned his fate by his constant incitements to pillage and massacre and it was only with great effort that the guards had saved him from the fury of the populace a hundred fingers pointed him out as the accomplice of the assassin and threats of death followed him as he was led away gamelin was stunned by the blow a few hot tears blistered his burning eyes with the grief he felt as a disciple mingled solicitude for the popular idol and these combined feelings tore at his heartstrings. He thought to himself, "After Le Peltier, after Bourdon, Morat!" I foresee the fate of the patriots, massacred on the Champ de Mars, at Nancy, at Paris; they will perish one and all!" as he thought of Wimpfen the traitor, who only a while before was marching on Paris, and who, had he not been stopped at Vernon by the gallant patriots, would have devoted the heroic city to fire and slaughter, and how many perils still remained! how many criminal designs how many treasonable plots which only marat's perspicacity and vigilance could unravel and foil now he was dead who was there to denounce costelle loitering in idleness in the camp of caesar and refusing to relieve valenciennes Biron tarrying inactive in the lower vendee letting Samois be taken and nance blocked dillon betraying the fatherland in argonne meanwhile all about him Rose momentarily higher the sinister cry: Marat is dead! The aristocrats have killed him! As he was on his way, his heart bursting with grief and hate and love, to pay a last mark of respect to the martyr of liberty, an old countrywoman wearing the coif of the Limousin peasantry accosted him to ask if the Monsieur Marat who had been murdered was not Monsieur le Cure Marat of the Saint Pere de End of Chapter seven.